Hey, I, like I mentioned before, we're in the middle of a four-week Christmas Advent series, and now I'm I'm not preaching, but I've, one of my favourite people in this church is. And um, Kirsty, why don't you come up and share a word with us today? Why don't you make her feel welcome? I would love to. Why don't we give the band a hand as they sit down? That was incredible this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, so as Cody mentioned, we're in week two of our Advent series right now. And as he also mentioned, we've got our second candle, string lights up, uh, representing peace this week. So, you know, a few things come to my mind when I think of the word peace. One of them is the, you know, the cliche pageant answer, you know, from Mr. Congeniality to the question, what's the one most important thing our society needs? World peace. I think many of us would think of the word, of word peace to mean the absence of war or conflict. And that is basically the dictionary definition too. You know, we talk about feeling at peace with something, not anxious. You know, again, I think that, that sort of peace is of not being worried and anxious is again the absence of conflict, but a conflict within ourselves, in our mind. Peace is thought of not so much as a thing, but an absence of not so good things. Sometimes we can have you know, when there are no more problems or challenges or conflicts, that's when we think we have peace. Well, I've learned a lot about peace this week and we're going to explore what biblical peace and the peace of God means and how that actually differs from what we tend to think of when we hear the word peace. It's a peace that's even better than just not feeling anxious anymore, a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. But it's a peace that sometimes we still fail to experience, We'll also look at how we can experience the peace of God in our lives in times when everything around us may not seem peaceful. And I tell you what, I certainly didn't feel equipped to bring you a message on peace. (laughs) I wouldn't really call myself a peaceful person at the best of times, um, but I'm sure many of you can relate that at this time of year, at Christmas time, which is supposed to be about hope, peace, joy and love, it's not always particularly peaceful. You know, the busyness of the season, it, it can be anything but peaceful. Maybe your family gatherings at Christmas time are anything but that. Uh, I spent the last week, you know, last weekend scouring web- websites for Black Friday sales to get all the Christmas presents sorted. Every year we have this figuring out whose house we're going to be at when for Christmas. We've got different family things to go to. Um, you know, we've also been planning and baking for a Handolf Chris Kindlemark stall that we have this weekend, next weekend. Um, I've been feeling big and tired and experiencing pains as I get more and more pregnant. We've been switching back and forth between two cars because the new one that's supposed to be the good one had a few things that needed to get fixed. You know, we've started toilet training with our toddler who also currently loves to say no and I want and that's mine and, you know, anything else that likes to get on your nerves and take away your peace. (laughs) Frustration levels rising at times, you know, and, th- and then while trying to prepare a message on peace, you know, I've also got to think about the food shopping and what to wear and what to have for lunch and getting the washing done. You know, I'm not trying to complain. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you of how not at peace I was this week and often other weeks too. And I know many of you feel similar and I know that many of you even have it worse than that. Some of you in the midst of this pre-Christmas chaos, you're moving house There's people who are finishing up cancer treatment. Maybe you're dealing with the conflicts with a family member, a friend or a colleague. Maybe you're just also plain busy because it's Christmas. There's presents to buy. 
Maybe you're struggling with the same old self-doubts that you've always had. Why don't you just take a moment and ask yourself the question, what robs me of peace? Is it difficult circumstances? Is it frustrating people? Uncontrollably, un- uncontrollable worry? Unmet expectations? Busyness? Just Christmas time in general, maybe. What are some things that we try to do to have peace? I think sometimes we try and escape. You know, we might run away from our responsibilities. We might shut out people who we find difficult and can't resolve conflict with. Maybe we turn to drinking to forget our troubles. Maybe we just try and ignore our problems. I certainly ignored the washing this week. Maybe we avoid God and we avoid prayer time because we, we think that it will make us feel more guilty. Maybe we, you know, we try and meditate, clear our minds, just push aside all the worries. So this morning what I want to do is, is we're going to explore the promise that God has about peace. And I'm certainly not doing it from a place of perfection, but a place of need, just like all of us. To be honest with you, in preparing this message and looking into it a little deeper, I've learned a lot of things for myself. And hopefully we can discover some things together this morning that will help me and will help you. So what can we learn from the Bible about peace? So it's not just talking about the same sort of peace that we mentioned earlier. It's not just the absence of conflict. The word peace in the Bible certainly can refer to the absence of conflict, but it actually points to something better in its place. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament for peace is shalom. And the Greek word in the New Testament is, I'm nervous saying this because I struggle with these um, (laughs) foreign words and accents, irene basically, something like that. Shalom basically means complete or whole. It can refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps. In Job, the word is used to describe Job's tent and his possessions and property. It was complete with nothing missing. It can be about someone's well-being. Shalom is something complex with lots of parts that is made complete and whole. In the Bible, Shalom is not just about two rival kingdoms stopping fighting, but about the two parties actually working together for each other's benefit. The kings of Israel in the Bible were supposed to cultivate this Shalom. But as we've been learning recently, that just isn't what happened. So the prophet Isaiah prophesied that there would be a future king coming who would be the prince of peace, the prince of Shalom. Jesus' birth in the New Testament was talked about as the arrival of Irene, the Greek, that's the Greek word for peace. And it means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Jesus, when he died and was raised from the dead, made peace between us, messed up humans, and a perfect God. He restored to wholeness the broken relationship that we had with God. True peace means taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness. So what does that mean for us? How does this new understanding of biblical peace help us actually have peace? There are many verses in the Bible that talk about peace, but the one that came to my mind when I thought of peace was (coughs) in Philippians 4. And understanding this biblical meaning of peace, it gave a whole new meaning to the verses here. And it gives us some help here and some instructions on what we can do to experience this completeness, this assurance and restoration that God gives us. So let's have a look. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 9. It says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, 
Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Luckily, we don't live here in a war-torn country. Maybe we might have conflicts with others at times and this meaning of peace, this shalom, it applies to all of that. But today I really want to focus on the inner conflict that we face with anxiety and worry and stress and busyness. Because I think that's the area that we most want peace in these days. And I guess I've always thought about this verse in Philippians in the way of peace being about clearing our mind of worry and making our anxious thoughts disappear. And we could even take it a step further and think that God's peace will be present because he's just made everything better, made our conflicts go away, solved our problems, taken away the cause of our worry. And don't get me wrong, he does do that sometimes. You know, he, he can change our circumstances. But sometimes our circumstances don't change. And this piece is not about your problems going away, but it's about God making you whole and complete in the midst of unrest around you. When we think of the opposite of peace, as we said before, we think of war, conflict, fear, anxiety and worry. Peace of God is not the absence of anxieties and worries and negative thoughts or conflict. It's the presence of God. And the presence brings with it the ability to make us whole again. It's not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. And that someone is the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself. You know, some people think peace is dependent on our circumstances. If someone's trying to achieve peace, they're usually trying to work hard at fixing their circumstances, escaping the non-peaceful circumstances or people or whatever. You know, maybe you're thinking once this Christmas craziness is over, then it will be peaceful again. Once we've moved, I can settle in and it, everything will be at peace again. Once I'm well again, once I'm, once, whatever this thing is, once it's over, once I've got it fixed, once I've got it sorted, I'll have peace. But the peace of God is there despite our circumstances. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's no denying that things come our way, externally or internally, that try to rob us of peace. Jesus acknowledges, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but you can have peace, you can have shalom, you can have completeness, security and assurance of your salvation because of what Jesus did. I don't know about you, it still doesn't just magically happen though, does it? Why is that? How do we actually experience peace? How do we make it real in our lives? Paul gives us some key keys in these verses in Philippians to find that peace. You know, this isn't about having to work to make ourselves whole and right with God. Jesus has already done that. He has brought shalom between us and God and to us. But just as sometimes we try to forget our worries, busyness, anxieties and escape our circumstances, sometimes we can forget Jesus. We forget that he is with us. And if the peace of God is not the absence of problems but the presence of a person, then we're not going to experience his peace if we're not spending time in his presence. Jesus said, in me you may have peace. Let's look again at Philippians 4 verse 8 
says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. First, we need to look at our thinking. I was talking to Brendan about this um, the other day and he said that one time he went, okay, I need to think about the things in this verse. So are there things in my life that I'm thinking about that are not those things, that are not honourable and pure? He literally wrote a list of things that he felt were honourable, pure, right, whatever, and then wrote a list of the things that weren't so that he could go, okay, these are the things I need to not focus on. And God spoke to him and said, that's that's totally the opposite of what this is about, you know. We need to stop dwelling on our mistakes. We need to stop thinking about the things that didn't work out, but not just stop thinking about those things because we can spend our time going, stop thinking about that, stop thinking about that, stop thinking about that. We need to replace it with new thoughts. Thoughts on what is excellent and worthy of praise. So what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise? Jesus. You know, when you fall in love and you, all you want to do is think about that person, talk to that person, learn more about that person. You know, if, if we're not, we need to fall in love with Jesus again. To do that, we need to be in his presence. And in his presence, we find peace. It seems silly to say this again, but it always comes back to reading the Bible, praying, being in fellowship with other Christians. This is how we grow our relationship with God. We put time aside in our lives to do these things, and it allows us to be in the presence of God and learn more about him. Think about what is true and right. What is true? It's the opposite of a lie. And who's the father of lies? The devil. But the devil tries to to disguise lies as truth. You know, where do we know that we can get the truth? His word, for certain. We can easily get caught up in lies that the world tells us about what we should eat or wear or how we should behave. Putting focus on God and who he is and what he says. By doing that, we're fixing our attention, our thoughts on what is right and pure and lovely and all those things. We need to get to know who God is and what he's teaching us. Philippians 4.9 goes on to say, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. It goes beyond just thinking on God and reading his word, but learning from that who God is, what he's calling us to do, and putting that into practice. We're actually called, called to cultivate the same peace, this shalom that the Bible talks about. We are to bring God's peace, giving presence. God's restoration and wholeness that he brings to others around us. When we fix our attention on Jesus and his teaching and put into practice what he teaches us, the God of peace will be with us. I also want to have a look back at the beginning of those verses. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Again, it's about our thinking, really. It's not about ignoring what was going on. Tell God what's up. Tell him what you need. Tell him you need healing. Tell him you need help loving that frustrating person. Tell him you need help being patient. Tell him you need help finding Christmas presents for your family members. Tell him you need money to fix that car. Thank him for all he's done. Be someone who is focused on thanks and gratitude. 
Again, this is about fixing our focus on God instead of the source of our unrest. (coughs) Thank him for all he has done. Thank Jesus for the shalom that he has brought by sacrificing himself on the cross. Thank him that we've been made right and had our relationship with God reconciled. Thank him for the times in the past that he has brought healing, that he has helped you with what you need, that he's brought a sense of peace to your life. Peace is active. It's not passive. It's not about nice things happening and there being no inner or outer conflicts. The peace of God is not the absence of problems. The peace of God is the presence of a person. You know, in verse 7 it says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. This verse, to me, this says to me that the situations will still be there sometimes. You'll still have a lot of things to do. You're still going to be busy. You still have to buy Christmas presents, do the washing, feed your family. You may have sickness in your life that you're going to have to battle through. You, may, you, will, you will still have to move house. <laughs> you may have people around you telling you untruths about yourself that you're tempted to believe. And while this is going on, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind by prayer, thanks, focusing, meditating on God's word, getting his truth in you knowing how he made you complete. This will stand guard over your heart and mind and not let your mind be overwrought with fear and worry and anxiousness. So peace, not world peace, everyone getting along. Not a clear wiped mind ignoring or escaping the issues that we're supposed to be dealing with. The peace of God is not the absence of problems. The peace of God is the presence of a person, the person of Jesus, the Prince of Peace the one who came to bring wholeness to us and our relationship with God, the one who teaches us to change our thinking, live out what we've learnt and be with him, knowing that true peace can be experienced even when things around us may not appear peaceful. We can have peace when when instead of worrying, we pray and thank God, think about and put into practice God's teachings. Can you all stand with me, please? And let's close our eyes. If you want to go into the Christmas season remembering the person of Jesus and having the peace of God, the wholeness that only he can bring, why don't you just lift your hands right now? God, today we want to know your peace, true peace, wholeness in the midst of whatever's going on right now. We thank you, God, that you're here. You're near. And all you ask is that we spend time in your presence. Thank you, God. Why don't we just spend a minute thinking, praying, thanking, preparing to put into practice all we've learnt and received. Just keep your hands lifted, eyes closed.
before we finish today, I just want to do one last thing. If there's anyone here today that has never known or experienced God's peace, His shalom, His restoration and completeness through Jesus, then today you can. God sent His Son Jesus to die for you and rise again to make you whole, to restore a relationship with your Father in heaven. And if you've never made a decision to accept Jesus into your life and acknowledge what He did for you, to wipe us clean of our sin, our past failures and mistakes, then today we can do that. We're all just going to pray this prayer together first, so why don't you repeat after me? Thank you, God, for your Son, Jesus, that He died in my place, took the punishment for my failures. Sorry for those failures. Sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Give me a new spirit and restore me to wholeness. I now call you wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed right now. And I, I just want to ask if there's anybody here that prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you've prayed something like it before, but you know you've been far from God and you wanted to take that step to come back to Him. If that's you right now, you've prayed that for the first time or coming back to Him, just raise your hand so I can see it. I'm not going to ask you to, do, to come up the front or anything. We just want to know if there's anybody here so we can meet with you, share with you, bring you a Bible, help you on your journey. So if anyone here at all, just lift your hand right now. Awesome, you can open your eyes. I hope, I hope, we had hope last week, that you can have peace this week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Awesome. How powerful was that word? Why don't you thank Kirsty quickly?